of chapter number 10, and we'll get rolling here. We're down into verse, picking up here in verse 17. Mark 10, 17. And when he was gone forth into the way, there came one running and kneeled to him and asked him, Good master, what shall I do that I may inherit eternal life? Now, what we're going to see here is the issue of the rich young ruler. And what's going to happen here, again, the Lord's been dealing with uh, the Pharisees. They've been trying to tempt him, trying to trap him, and so forth. And now we have a, a man. The, the account in Matthew and the account in Luke calls us young. Look over at, uh, it calls this guy a Pharisee. But what I want you to see here in verse 17 as we get started is he isn't someone who is young as in naive. He's actually he has understanding. He, he comes and he, he's really like Nicodemus in John 3. Okay, that's kind of who this guy is. He, he comes, notice how he comes. He comes uh, running, so there's a sense of urgency. He kneeled, so there's an in, in issue of humility and humbleness. And ask him, good master, what shall I do that I may inherit eternal life? So this guy isn't coming to trick, to trap the Lord. He's actually coming in verse 21. Then Jesus, beholding him, loved him and said unto him and so forth. So here's the Lord. By the way, that issue there about him loving him is only found here in Mark. It's not found in the other uh, accounts in Matthew and in Luke. So we, you have to keep in mind here as we talk about the, this guy that it isn't someone who's coming to trap or tempt the Lord. He really isn't coming as one who doesn't understand. He actually has understanding. He's asking a very specific question about eternal life. And it's important to catch here what, what, what the Lord is doing and what this gentleman is doing. He come, he, he's coming to know something. He asks the Lord, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And really he's going to be, he's, he's going to be a picture of the nation of Israel. Hold on here, look over at Romans 10. But in this aspect of Israel, Romans 10, Paul describes how this guy is going to be. So he's going to be a picture of the nation of Israel in Romans 10, verse 2. For I bear them record that they have a zeal of God, but not according to now. He comes running, he comes kneeling, he's coming to know. He's got a great zeal for they being ignorant of God's righteousness and going about to establish their own righteousness have not submitted themselves unto the righteousness of God, and that's this guy. So back here in Matthew 10, he's literally going to be a picture of what's going on in Israel in response to the ministry of the Lord. There's going to be some that are tempting him, trying to catch him, trying to trap him, but really there's other ones that are, they have a zeal of God, just no knowledge of what is really going on. And we really are going to see it in the conversation that him and the Lord have here. He says, verse 17, good master, what shall I do that I may inherit eternal life? Verse 18, and Jesus said unto him, why callest thou me good? There is none good but one that is God. And what the Lord is saying to this guy is, why did you call me good? So he's, he's testing the guy's heart because what he's saying here, what the Lord is saying back to the man is if, you're, if you are not saying that I am God, then what are you saying when you call me good? So what, what's up? But if you are saying that I am good, are you then recognizing that I'm God? They knew the Messiah was going to come, be, be incarnate. They knew he was coming and that he was going to be God. So they knew that he was gonna, that Messiah was gonna be the incarnation of Jehovah. They understood that. 
So it's the Lord saying, is that who you're saying? I, are you saying that I'm God? Okay, so there's a, there's a look into the real issue here. Um, are you confessing me to be the Messiah? Is that what you're saying? So really there's a challenge to him here. And it's really cutting to the real issue from this moment on through the rest of the ch chapter 10 especially, but also all the way to Calvary, and that's that issue of the heart issue. And the problem that this guy is going to have is a heart problem. The problem isn't going to be that physical thing. It's going to be now the heart issue. And what he's going to demonstrate, not only is he demonstrating his deity, because that's who he is, but he's demonstrating that the, the real issue in Israel is the heart problem. And that's what he's literally saying to this guy in verse 18. Why call me good? There's none good but God. <laughs> so wh where's your heart here? What are you thinking? How, 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 are, you, how are you responding? And he's going to come here now, and he's going to begin to talk and to deal with this guy. But he's doing it from that issue of the heart. And we've seen this coming out of chapter 9 into chapter 10. They know that they're going to get a literal, physical, visible, earthly kingdom. And they're missing the spiritual side. This guy's in the same boat. He comes with all the righteousness. He comes with all the religious external doing. Look at verse 19. Thou knowest the commandments. Do not commit adultery. Do not kill. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Defraud not. Honor thy father and mother. And he answered and said unto him, Master, all these have I observed from my youth. You see, he's coming with that zeal of God, but just not catching what's going on. But in verse 17, the question that he asked, good master, what shall I do that I may inherit eternal life? So eternal life in Israel's mind is an inheritance, but eternal life for Israel isn't, you know how we look at eternal life of dying and going to heaven and it's off there is a kingdom here on the earth. God promised Abraham, your seed, they're going to get a land, and they're going to get to have a kingdom, a nation, and it's going to be forever. That implies resurrection life. And in Israel's program, and again, I, you can't think about this stuff the way we think in the dispensation of grace. You have to come back and look at it, and what, how do they think? Their issue in Israel is a land, a kingdom, forever on the earth. That's why in Job, Job 19, Job says, though worms eat my body, I'm going to see my Savior, my Redeemer, my God on the earth in the flesh. There's that issue of resurrection life. So eternal life for Israel is, is, is life in the kingdom, resurrection life in the kingdom. In John, he says, eternal life is to Know thee, know him how, in the kingdom on the earth as Messiah. So verse 19, the Lord's going to give him some insight here into and answer his question of how do I inherit eternal life. And again, he knows it's in the kingdom. So really what he's asking is, is how do I get a spot in the kingdom? That's what he's asking. How do I get into, how do I get... I've done, I'm, he's literally, physically, visibly a descendant of Abraham, so how do I get a spot in the kingdom? So what's the Lord say? Verse 19, keep the commandments. <laughs> okay? Verse 20, and he answered and said unto him, Master, by the way, thou knowest, verse 19, thou knowest the commandments. See, he's, he, there isn't, he isn't ignorant of the law. He knows what the law is. But what he hasn't learned is what does the law produce? With the law comes the knowledge of sin. He hasn't learned that. He knows what? The thou shalt not. Okay? He knows those, but he doesn't understand what the law is designed to do there in Romans 10 to produce the end of the law is where? Christ. And he, he's not, he doesn't get that. Now, I'm kind of jumping ahead here, but verse 20 what does he say? I have observed from my youth. 
obviously he hasn't learned the lesson of the law. If he had been, if he had learned the lesson, then he would know that he couldn't do anything to have eternal life. The list, do no harm, do not steal, do not commit adultery, do not bear false witness, defraud not. By the way, that list is easy to do. It really is. It's an easy list. Don't steal, that's easy. Don't kill, that's easy. Don't defraud your brother. The list is easy to do. But that's not the point. Because what did Moses, remember the Lord said, Moses told you to do this. Now I'm saying if you think it in your heart, you've done it. See, it's easy not to do that. But, man, when you look around and you go, man, I would just, you know, under your breath, you mumble, I'd really like to kill that guy. Well, you just did it. Because it's a heart issue. And that's really what the Lord is after here is this issue of about the heart. The, ma- the man has gotten the law down. He knows, yes, no, up and down. But he didn't learn the lesson of the law. And, by the way, that's Israel. Israel didn't learn the lesson of the law. The lesson of the law was to show them that they were sinners and they needed the Redeemer. They didn't get that. Verse 21, Then Jesus, beholding him, loved him and said unto him, One thing thou lackest, go thy way, sell whatsoever thou hast, and give to the poor, and thou shalt have treasure in heaven, and come, take up the cross, and follow me. <laughs> That's next level. That's not, you know, just keep doing the commandments. No. Now we're moving on. What, he loved him. He had compassion on him. The man has a complete lack of understanding of what the law means, what it's trying to accomplish. The Lord doesn't get angry with him. Now, he gets angry in Mark 3 with the Pharisees. Not here, though. Why? Because the guy's coming in genuine. It's not designed to nab him or trick him. There it is. Now, the result, verse 22, and he was sad at that saying and went away grieved, for he had great possessions. And it's always said that he had great possessions, but really great possessions had him. He loved the things that he had. Remember Matthew 6.33, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added. That's the point here. His, his mind was on getting the possessions. How do I gain a possession in the kingdom? Not, how do I get that position? What do I have to do? So what does the Lord say? You got the physical down, dude, but you're missing the spiritual side of it. And he doesn't get it. His heart is set on the physical aspect. That's where his heart is. And, the, the, that, and that's the issue here, really, down through the rest of this chapter. It's going to be the issue with Peter, down in verse uh, 29, 28 and following. It's going to be the issue with James and John, the great triune here of the apostles. Is that issue of they're, they're looking at possessions rather than looking at, hey, I get the spiritual side down, then I get the possessions. Now, come over to Luke 12, because what the Lord is telling this guy is, if you want to inherit eternal life, if you want to get in the kingdom, you need to get in the little flock. That's what he's telling him. So look at Luke 12. He's, he's, you know what you have to do to get in the kingdom? you got to sell what you have. you got to... Take up the cross. By the way, the cross there is the cross of rejection because that's what is happening to the Lord all through here. When he says, pick up your cross and follow me, he's not telling them you're going to go die at Calvary like me. It's that cross of rejection that they have to deal with because he's going to tell the apostles a little later, he says, hey, they hate you. They hated me first. And they're going to hate you when I'm gone, so just deal with it. (laughs) It's coming, okay? Luke 12, look at verse 31. But rather seek ye the kingdom of God, and all these things shall be added unto you. There are the things again. 
Fear not, little flock, for it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Okay, so here's the kingdom message. You got to have the spiritual, then you get the physical. Sell that you have and give alms. Provide yourselves bags which wax not old, a treasure in the heavens that faileth not, where no, uh, where no thief approach, neither moth corrupt. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. What do you got to do? That's what did, he, what did he tell him? Sell that you got. Sell out, man. You got to sell the stuff. Come over to chapter 14 of Luke. He's going to tell him that again. And the reason for it is the issue of what is their heart focused on. He's preparing the 12. He's preparing that little flock to go through the 70th week of Daniel. And what happens in the 70th week of Daniel? If you don't take the mark of the beast, you can't buy and sell. So that's real quickly going to whittle down where your focus your focus isn't going to be on the things because as soon as you take the mark to buy and sell, you're eternally doomed. You can't fix that. So again, it's a heart issue. That's the hammer here. Uh, Luke 14, if you look at verse uh, 33, so likewise, whosoever he be of you that forsaketh not all that he hath, he cannot be my disciple. Forsake what? All of it. Don't hold on to anything because there's a kingdom coming and you're going to get the real deal when you get in the kingdom. But right now, you got to get there. Come over to Acts chapter 2. In Acts 2, what are they doing? They're not nothing new in Acts 2. It's just a carrying on of the, the kingdom message, the earthly ministry of Christ, the gospel message here of the kingdom. If you look there at Acts 2, we're on the day of Pentecost, obviously, verse 42. And they continued steadfast in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and in breaking of bread and in prayers. And fear came upon every soul. And many wonders and signs were done by the apostles. And all that believed were together and had all things common and sold their possessions and goods and parted them to all men as every man had need. And they continued daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, did eat their meat with gladness and singleness of heart, praising God and having... Uh, uh, favor with all the people and the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved notice, by the way notice what they sold the selling they sold their possessions and good and yet they still had house so we're not in a complete destitution yet here now they're going to get there in chapter 4 and 5 but here they're not they're just selling possessions and good they, they're taking care of each other. They're, they're, what they're learning here, and that thing there about the, doc, uh, the apostles' doctrine, they're learning that their home isn't here. Now, their home's on the earth, but it's where? Over in the kingdom. It isn't right here, it isn't right now. Come over to chapter 4. Chapter 4, we have an outpouring of the Holy Spirit again. We have Day of Pentecost 2. <laughs> do okay uh, acts uh, 431 and when they had prayed the place was shaken where they were assembled together and they were all filled with the holy ghost and they spake the word of god with boldness and the multitude of them that believed were of one heart and of one soul neither said any of them that aught of the things which he possessed was his own but they had all things common notice that Verse 34, neither was there any among them that lacked, for as, many as were, uh, for as many as were possessors of lands or houses sold them. Notice the plurality. It's not, they didn't sell their home that they lived in. They sold their rental property. They sold their vacant land. They sold, they kept, they, uh, all right, so the, the, when they, when you sell everything, that didn't come yet. They're getting there. But there's an issue of taking care of each other. 
when Paul raises the funds for the poor saints in Jerusalem, Romans 15, a little later here, those are for the people that have what? Nothing. That's why Peter would say, remember the poor, Acts 15. The poor isn't the homeless guy in the park. The poor are the poor saints at Jerusalem. That's who we're taking care of. Verse 35, and laid them, and laid them down at the apostles' feet, and distribution was made unto every man according as he had needs. Then you've got Barnabas, verse 36, he's a Levite. Now watch, having land, sold it, and brought the money, and laid it at the apostles' feet. And then you get Ananias and Sapphira. They sell, but they keep a piece, and they lie. See? So this issue here, what are these guys doing? They're obeying the Word of God. They're filled with the Spirit who's empowering them to carry out the passage, the program. So when you look at this, and he looks at that man and he says, come back to Luke, to Luke 3, because here we have John the Baptist. When he looks at that man and he says, actually, hold on to Luke 3, go back to Mark 10. And he looks at him and he says, hey, you need to sell. Okay, you're doing good keeping the law, you know, the physical thing, but there's a spiritual issue you're missing and that's going to start when you just sell everything and you move away from the possessions, having the possessions, to now the possessions having you. Okay? Now, in Mark 17, he asked the great question of, Sirs, what must I, good master, what shall I do that I may inherit eternal life? And that question of what must I do shows up several times here in the, in the Gospels, and you, and you need to just recognize them because as they show up, it's going to be something that you and I would never say to someone who says, what do I must do to get saved? What must I do to have eternal life? We would never say this, and yet we're going to have three, see, three accounts here where you're going to literally have the Godhead speak through John the Baptist, the Lord Jesus Christ, and Peter. And you know what he's going to, they're going to say three different things. They're going to say all this stuff. And, you, and if you don't understand dispensational Bible study or rightly dividing your word, you're going to think you've got to do everything said to gain eternal life. And all Paul said in Acts 16, we'll get over there, is believe. Believe on the Lord. That's what he says. So when you look at this, it's very interesting how... This just kind of lays out across here. So Luke 3. Luke 3, we have John the Baptist. John the Baptist, he's a, man, he's a man sent from God. He represents God the Father. John 3, verse 2. Ananias and Caiaphas being the high priest, the word of God came unto John as the son of Zacharias in the wilderness. And he came into all the country about Jordan, preaching the baptism of repentance for the remissions of sins. So here comes the gospel of the kingdom. And John goes out. He's got a big crowd going. Verse 7, Then said he to, to the multitude that came forth to be baptized, O generation of vipers who have warned you to flee from the wrath to come. And so he's going to deal with the generation of vipers. After dealing with them, verse 10, And the who? The people. So they just saw John deal with the Pharisees and tell them about fleeing the wrath to come and what they had to do. By the way, what did they have to do? Bring forth their four fruits worthy of repentance, verse 8. Okay? They, you do that. So then the people say, well, okay, you just told them, but now what, do, what shall we do then, verse 10? See? Okay? He answered and said unto them, he that hath two coats, let him impart to him that hath none. And he that hath meat, let him do likewise. What? What must we do to have eternal life? If you got two coats, give one away. If you find somebody who needs to eat, feed him. We don't say that today to people. Verse 12. Then came also publicans to be baptized and said unto him, Master, what shall we do? 
again, what do we do to flee the wrath to come? That's what the, the, what do we do? And he answers them. He says there, verse 13, exact no more than that which is appointed you. The publicans, the tax collectors, don't overtax the people. Just do what you need to do. Don't be ripping them off. Now, you, don't, you can't tell the tax guy that. He, he's coming to get, he, his algorithm's got you figured out quick. But just think about that. Verse 14, and the soldier likewise demanded of him, saying, and what shall we do? You see the different groups of people? And they're just, ah, what do we do? And here's, again, John the Baptist representing God the Father, and he's speaking. By the way, he tells the soldiers, do violence to no man, neither accuse any falsely, and be content with your wages. That means they're not happy with what they're getting paid, obviously. Again, the answer to what should we do to to flee the wrath to come, and then it was all this works activity. Now, you go back to Isaiah 33, we're not going to do that. You go back there to Isaiah 33, and you know what you find out? The little flock's going to do all this. And there's an, an issue, the question is, is who can abide the fire, the wrath? And it's that righteous nation that can. And that righteous nation is going to be doing, and it, and it begins, you know what, go back there. You guys looking at me like, huh? Isaiah 33. There, and, I mean, there's a ton of people in here to look at me like, huh? So, <laughs> yeah, let's name the names. Isaiah 33. Isaiah 33, you start there about verse 10. Now will I arise, saith the Lord. Now will I be exalted. Now will I lift up myself. Ye shall conceive chaff. Ye shall bring forth stubble. Your breath as fire shall devour you. And the people shall be as the burnings of lime. As thorns cut up shall thy, they be burned in the fire. Hear, hear ye that are far off what I have done. And ye that are near acknowledge my might. The sinners in Zion are afraid. Fearfulness hath suppressed the hypocrites. Who among us shall, devour, shall dwell with devouring fire? Who among us shall dwell with everlasting burnings? He that walketh righteously and speaketh uprightly, he that despiseth the gain of the oppressor, oppression. There's going to be a point in the 70th week where that believing remnant is going to look over and their neighbor is getting fat and sassy and they're starving. And they're, going to, they're, they're not to speak evil against that because there's going to be a day of vengeance come. Revenge, uh, the Lord's going to pay, re, take care of them. And that believer is just going to have to sit there and, you know, have sock soup or something, okay? That shaketh his hands from holding of bribes, that stoppeth his ears from hearing of blood, and shutteth his eyes from seeing evil. He shall dwell on high, and off you go. That's these guys. So come back here to, Luke, to well, come over to Acts 2. So there's John the Baptist. The picture of the Father, Acts chapter 2, here you have Peter. And now Peter, a man full of the Holy Spirit, Acts 2, verse 23, Him being delivered by the determinate counsel and foreknowledge of God, ye have taken, and by wicked hands have crucified and slain, whom God hath raised up, having loosed the pains of death, because it was not possible that he should be holden of it. That's not good news. That's bad news. That's news of, of uh-oh, something was wrong. Verse 34, for David is not ascended into the heavens, but he saith to himself, the Lord said unto my Lord, sit thou on my right hand until I make thy foes thy footstool. Now that quote out of Psalms 110, one, the quote, Psalms 110, one says thine enemies. Here is a foe. That's different. A foe is an enemy, but an enemy isn't always a foe. A foe is an active enemy. It's someone who's engaged against you. They have declared war. They're a foe. An enemy can just sit there idly and still be an enemy, but he's not a foe. A foe is sitting there bringing the battle to you. You see that? Verse 36, therefore let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God hath made the same Jesus, 
whom ye have crucified, both Lord, Judge, and Christ, the Savior. So Peter's nailing them. Listen, you guys with wicked hands killed the Messiah. You killed Jesus. And you know what he's going to be? He's either going to be your judge or he's going to be your Savior. That's what's coming. So what do they ask? Verse 37. Now when they had heard this, they were pricked in their hearts and said unto Peter and to the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? Isn't that interesting? And what did Pete say? Then Peter said unto them, repent. So change your mind about who Christ is and what you just did. And be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. Now, that issue there of for the remission of sin, it, that one always kind of gets you in trouble. It's not for as in they already have the remissions of sins. It's for in that, in that what? It's coming out there in the future in the kingdom, chapter 319. When the times of refreshing comes, then you'll be, your sins will be blotted. You, you follow that? Okay. 319, repent ye therefore and be converted that your sins may be blotted out when the times of refreshing shall come from the presence of the Lord. When they may be blotted out. What's happening there? They are justified in the moment by faith. That's what's going to carry them over into the kingdom. That's the spiritual side. But they don't get their sins blotted out until the new covenant is an actual reality in their life. Remember the new covenant, Jeremiah thir or Ezekiel 36. I will what? I will cleanse you of your iniquities, and I and blot. I'll take Jeremiah 31. I'm going to forgive your iniquities. I'm going to take care of that. That isn't a present reality thing for them. They don't think that way. We do. They're like, no, where's my eternal life? It's over there in the kingdom that isn't here yet. I, you got to, it's a, it's a fine line to walk, but you got to pay attention to it. You can't think of it like we think about it, okay? So here you have, what does the Lord Jesus Christ say? What's, good master, what should I do? To gain, inherit, sell out, baby. John the Baptist, what do we do to flee the wrath to come? And he gives a list of works to do. Peter, go back there to Acts 2. What does Peter say? Verse 40, and with many other words did he testify and exhort, saying, Save yourselves from this untoward generation. Untoward. Opposite of toward. So it's, Hey, you need to, you're, you are going against the grain here. Wrath is coming your way. You need to go the other way. <laughs> you need to go that other direction. Get out of that apostate nation. Come out of all of that. How? You do 238. You repent, you believe. And again, that issue of remission of sin, repent, change your mind about Christ and who he is. Baptism, the water baptism, you're going to submit to that. The thing in Luke, he says that the publicans and sinners uh, justified God in that they were baptized of John, but the, public, or the Pharisees and the lawyers rejected the counsel of God, not being baptized. What do you, you got to, it's a, it's a all or nothing deal here. And again, that issue of the remissions of sins. By the way, for the remission of sins, for in the issue of gaining something, not for as in uh, you already have it, so because you already have it, then we'll give you this. No. You're, and what happens is, is when you get to talking to people, the, the Greek word for for is, it looks like the word ice. So it becomes a, a, it's called the ice bag verse because it gets, because everybody's, you know, all, but when you just go to 319, it helps you. You don't even need to know Greek. 
Acts 3, Repent ye therefore and be converted that your sins may be blotted out. When the time of refreshing shall come from the presence of the Lord. When's this going to happen? When the Lord comes back. Well, when he comes back, what's going to be instituted? The new covenant. That's part of the second coming. Okay? So the question of, sirs, what must I do? God the Father, the whole list, John the Baptist. The Son, just sell out, baby. Make it It's a heart issue. Peter, we got a little... Little work list to do. Now come over to Acts 16, because here's Paul. So the question is really that great, you know, Job asks, Job 9, how shall a man be just with God? That is the question. And again, rightly dividing your word helps unmuddy the waters. Okay? Acts 16, look at verse 30. Now, the, this is a Philippian jailer. Paul and Silas are in jail. The Lord, there's been a big earthquake, and they don't, um, they don't leave. They don't run. They they stay there. Verse 29. Then then he he called for a light. He the jailer, and sprang in and came trembling and fell down before Paul and Silas, and brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they said. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved, and thy house. Now think about that. John, the Lord, Peter, a whole list of things to do. Paul said, do one thing, believe. Not two, by the way, believe and be baptized is two things. No, one thing. That's all you got to do. Okay? Paul has a little different message. Peter and we understand that. So when you come back to, to Mark 10, the jailer, or the rich young ruler here, he's uh, just kind of hanging out. And he's, but he's asked the question, the Lord's dealt with it, verse 23, and Jesus looked round about and said unto his disciples, he looked round about, so he's, there's some, there's a moving on now. He looked around about, saith unto his disciples, how, how heartily shall they that have riches enter into the kingdom of God. Now, after the rich young man leaves, what he's left, he's, you know, the rich has got him, he's sorrow. Now notice what the Lord's going to do with the disciples, and you're going to see a great drama happen here. Now, Mark doesn't carry all the details, as we know, but this, this event is in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. So come over to Luke 18 and just notice this, Luke 18, because we have a little bit more detail here. Luke 18, he's been, verse 18, and a certain Ruler, ask him, saying, Good master, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And they go down through it, verse 23. And when he heard this, he was, notice, very sorrowful. Now, Mark says he was sad, for he was very rich. And when Jesus saw that he was very sorrowful, he said, How heartily... Hardly shall they that have riches enter into the kingdom of God. Notice that the, the Lord loved him, looked on him with compassion, was there for him, and he saw the genuineness of the, of the rich young ruler. And the Lord's sorrow, he just, he, he just kind of went even deeper than that guy of, oh my, you know, just boom. Okay? Chapter 19. Of Luke. Luke 19, verse 28. And when he had thus spoken, he went before, ascending up to Jerusalem. So we're going to Jerusalem, 41. Uh, 28 to 40, he's on his way to Jerusalem, verse 41. And when he was come near, he beheld the city and what? Wept over it. That's the idea saying, If thou hadst known, even thou at least 
at least in this thy day, the things which belonged unto thy peace, but now they are hid from thine eyes. That's what was going through the Lord's mind with the rich young ruler when he saw the sorrow. How he just, he, it just broke his heart. Because if the guy had caught on to how much riches he really had in the kingdom, the spiritual side, he'd have let all that other just go. Okay? He, he's looking again at that broken, what, come back to Mark 10, what we're seeing again is that broken heart of the Messiah, of the Savior. So Mark 10, 23, and Jesus looked round about and saith unto his disciples, how hardly, how hardly shall they that have riches enter into the kingdom. It just breaking his heart. He sees the depth of this guy's sorrow, sadness. And his sorrow, the Lord's sorrow just went even deeper than that out-trumped him, if you will. It just, so what does he do? Verse 24, and the disciples were, notice, astonished at his words. Now watch the drama. This is just, I, it's like days of our lives it, type of thing. It's just unreal. And the Lord, again, the Lord's not, he's not doing this to, to mock them or to get it. He's, he's doing it because they're not catching the spiritual issue, the heart issue. They got the physical, but they're not catching it. He's giving it to them, but they're just not getting it. Watch what he says. But Jesus answering again and saith unto them, children, the little flock, how hard is it for them that trust in riches to enter into the kingdom of God? The issue isn't I'm a rich guy. The issue is, is I'm trusting my riches. You see, that's the point here. Where is your heart? He's get, this guy's getting his worth, his value, his esteem out of his riches. That's why Paul will tell Timothy in 1 Timothy 6 there, 617, charge them that are rich in this world that they be not high-minded, nor trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God who giveth us richly all things to enjoy. Why? Just look at the stop mar stock market this pa past couple of weeks. If that's all you're watching, you're, you know, you're, you'll be jumping off the tall buildings. Why? Because that's what is consuming and that's what's got these guys back here in Mark. What are they doing? That outward, they're trusting in that outward experience. They're just trusting in stuff that is just going to go poof and be gone. Now watch verse 23. So the issue here is their heart issue, okay? Their trust issue. What are they trusting? But now in verse 23, notice the, how that verse the last line of that verse, that have riches, now watch, enter into the kingdom of God. The end of verse 23, trust in riches to enter into the kingdom of God. Verse 25, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to what? Enter. See, the issue in the discussion of the question of what must I do to inherit eternal life is really getting down to what do I do to enter into the kingdom of God? That's where it's moving. It's a hard issue, and it's a trusted. What are you trusting in? Because where are we going? Into the kingdom of God. So there's an enter. There, the whole issue in the rest of this chapter is that question of verse 17. What do I got to do to enter in? He's going to go and tell them in, 20, in 32 to 34, we're going to, we're going to Jerusalem, so I'll die. They don't get it. They, they, they just ignore him, actually. And, and yet, what is Peter worried about? What do I get for following you? What's James and John worried about? Can you put us on the left and the right hand? What do we get? And what are they? He's sitting right in the midst of them, telling them what's going to happen, teaching them, educating them, and all they can focus in on is what do I get? They're not getting, they're not just, they're just like right there. <laughs> And they're just not getting it. Verse 24. Again, little children, that issue of the little flock. Fear not, little flock, it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. 
that's where they're at. The issue of the rich, that's what you're trusting. Now, watch verse 25. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of God. By the way, in Israel's program, it was a sign of God blessing you when you were rich. Okay? In the Lord's earthly ministry, it is not good to be rich. What are you doing? You're going to sell everything. You're going to give 100%. The kingdom demands 100% tithe, all right? So let's empty it out. Let's get going here. Rick needs to pay some bills off. Come on, okay? Grace says no, we don't do that. You purpose in your heart. You give graciously and so on. The kingdom's 100% in. Israel's program time passed. They have the tithe system and everything they've got. So it isn't that he's not saying it's bad to be rich. It's just that's where your trust is. That's where your heart is. So now we got an issue here. Now, watch what he does here in verse 25. It's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter in. And then you get holy hell break loose on everybody trying to figure out how that is. But he answers it in verse 26. And they were astonished out of measure, saying among themselves, who then can be saved? Now, now, watch, see the drama here. He starts talking in verse 23, verse 24, and the disciples were astonished at his words. He says, look, how hardly can a rich man go into the kingdom of God? And they're like, oh, my goodness, what did he just say? Now in verse 26, what did he, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than a rich man in. And they're sitting over here mumbling to themselves now. They're going mad. They're talking, they're not, they're talking to themselves. This doesn't make sense. A camel can't go through an eye of a needle. Duh. But they're not, but see, they're not paying attention to what he's saying. They're hearing it, but they're just not getting it. <laughs> so verse 27, and Jesus looking upon them saith, with men it is impossible, but not with God, for with God all things are possible. Don't, again, don't miss the, the drama. They're, press, they're astonished out of measure. They're sitting there talking to themselves. They go, hey, this guy's not saying, and, and you know, it's just, they've gone mad. Nobody can get saved then. They're, the end of verse 26. Who then can be saved? That, I mean, if you're not paying attention to the answer, that is where the question you lead to. So what does he do? Man, verse 27, with men it is impossible. You know what? Man can't save themselves. But God, all things are possible. Can a camel go through the eye of a needle? No, it's impossible. But with God, all things are possible. Man can't get this done. You think about that. What does man, what are these guys doing? They think their riches is going to get them in. They think their activity is going to get them in. They think their act, what should, what, how, good master, what do I must do to inherit eternal? What must I do? They think their activity is good enough. And in reality, what is it? Nope. You, you're trusting riches. And your riches are going to burn you. Come, come back to Ezekiel 36. Ezekiel 36. And that's really the point here. Ezekiel 36. Ezekiel 36. And we'll go look over at John 3. Ezekiel 36, notice verse 24. For I will take you from among the heathen and gather you out of all countries and will bring you into your own land. Then will I sprinkle clean water upon you. That's what water baptism is all for. It's a ceremonial. If the blood of bulls and goats can't get them saved, then dunking them in water or sprinkling them in water ain't going to get them saved. By the way, Peter says that. The, the baptism is not for the washing away of the filth of the sin, but it's rather for the, for the, uh, the conscience sake. Okay? Verse, 30, uh, verse 25. And ye shall be clean from all your filthiness. That's back up in verse 17 and 18. 
and from all your idols will I cleanse you. A new heart also will I give you, and a new spirit will I put within you, and I will take away the stony heart out of your flesh, and I will give you a heart of flesh. Look at what he's doing. And I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes, and you shall keep my judgments and do them, and you shall dwell in the land that I gave unto your fathers, and you shall be my people, and I will be your God. You can't do this, but I can. That's what God's saying. With man, it's impossible, but with God, all things. The way that I'm going to do this is I'm going to come over here and I'm going to give you a new heart. I'm going to give you a new spirit. I'm going to put. I'm going to plant my law in your heart. I'm going to give you the spirit, and you're going to cause you to do this. And when you do it, you're going to be my people. You're going to dwell in the land. You're going to be the blessing. I, I'm doing this. You can't do it. So they need something that's not in their own capacity. And that's what he's, that's what Mark 10, 27, that's what Mark, the thing about the camel in the eyes, the eye of the needle. I was looking through my books and, uh, and commentaries, and there's just page after page about how this is ridiculous, and it's got to be an error, and we got to do this. And it's really not the eye of a needle, it's really the, the entrance of a gate, and all this stuff stupid stuff and that's the point <laughs> this is impossible you can't do this but god could and oh by the way he's going to now come over to john 3 the issue of of being born again you see they need to understand how, how do you enter into the kingdom of god you can't do it on your own you've got to have Help. Now, in John 3, we have Nicodemus. And we have the issue of the being born again. And usually what happens, by the way, when you talk about being born again, is people focus in on about being born again and how it all works, and they miss the purpose of it. So watch John 3, verse 1. There was a man of, uh, of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. The same came to Jesus by night and said unto him, Rabbi, we know that thou art a teacher, come from God. He's smoothing him up, buttering him up. For no man can do these miracles that thou doest except God be with him. Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he, shall, he cannot see the kingdom of God. And Nicodemus saith of him, How can a man be born when he is old? How can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? See, he's not catching it. Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, capital S, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. Now, that which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Marvel not that I say unto thee, Nicodemus, Ye, the nation of Israel, must be born again. And you know what, Nicodemus, he's like, verse 9, how can these things be? And in verse 10, Jesus answered and said unto him, Art thou a master of Israel, and knowest not these things? Don't you know Ezekiel 36? Don't you know Jeremiah 31? It's right there. Don't you know all the passages about the new covenant and me doing this for you? And he's like, no, I don't get it. But notice something. Verse 3. Except a man be born again, he cannot, what? See. Verse 5, except the man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot, what? Enter. One, seeing is the spiritual issue. Gra the spiritual grasping what he's talking about. Entering it is the physical thing. What do you first got to see here, guys? What do you first got to catch? The spiritual, the heart issue. What are you trusting? You get that right, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. You see it, again, see it with the eyes of faith. Abraham, seeing afar off but not receiving, he saw it, how? Hebrews 11, how? By faith. Now what can we do? We can enter in. Okay? So what you're seeing here, come back to Mark 10, in the, in the after conversation of 
everything, is you're seeing this issue here of you got to have both items on board, guys. You've got to have the spiritual birth that God provides for Israel, and you have to have the physical. So you got to be, you know, a descendant of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. But you, you can't, the physical means nothing without what? The spiritual. Okay? So with God, with man, it's impossible. 1027. Jesus looked upon them, saith, with men it is impossible, but not with God. God, it's possible. So the criteria for entering into the kingdom is not what man can achieve, but rather what God can do for man. And the whole of the struggle here with the rich young ruler, and now with Peter, and starting in verse 28, is the struggle of, it's not about your sufficiency. It's not about what you're doing. It's not about the riches. It's about what God's doing through the Lord Jesus Christ, through Messiah. That's the issue. So, in light of all of the drama, they're astonished. And now they're astonished, you know, what, what was it? Uh, they were astonished out of measure. Now you get Peter. Then Peter began to say unto him, Lo, we have left all and have followed thee. And Jesus answered and said, Verily I say unto you, There is no man that hath left house or brethren or sisters or father or mother or wife or children or lands, for my sake and the gospels. But he shall receive a hundredfold now in this time, houses and brethren and sisters and mothers and brothers and children and lands with persecutions and in the world to come eternal life. But many that are first shall be last and last shall be first. And we'll look at that next time. Just catch what's going on here. Okay? The Lord is dealing with them. And uh, he's laying it out on them. But he, this rich young ruler here really just struck a chord. The genuineness of it, the compassion, and the fact that he did not catch what was going on. By the way, we, we see the rich young ruler. He's young here. Over in Luke, he's not so young anymore. And then we see the rich young man, the rich ruler, die. And in hell and in torments, he looks. Now, it's not all the same guy. It's the principle, okay? <laughs> what are they focused in on? Their riches, okay? They're fo Again, please don't, don't email me. Oh, it's the, same, it's the same guy. I know it's not the same guy. It, but it's what? It's that issue of what is your heart trusting in? The riches. The riches, okay? So he's going to get, by the way, the thing there in verse 31 but many that are first shall be last, and last shall be first. You know what he's saying to Peter, we'll get into Pete next time, and we'll go work our way down, is he's like, Pete, you, you may think you're first now, but in the end over there where it counts, you might be last. And you may be last now, but over there you'll be first. So don't count now, you're counting where? The end. <laughs> That's the idea there, okay? Just catch what's happening here. In the midst of all of this, and by the way, down in verse 35, James and John speak up, so you're going to have Peter, James and John come up, and they're going to start boohooing about where's our stuff, what do we get? The Lord just spent this time with them, and they're just not catching it, okay? And I know what happens in verse 28, Peter began to say, lo, we have left all and have followed thee. A little more detail in the other accounts, and people say, oh, he's being selfish, and the natural region, well, no, not really, but maybe a little selfish in that he's not getting what the Lord's saying. It's not about what you're getting, and yet he's still thinking that way. So there's a little bit of that there, but more, more the other passages don't seem to lead to that. But in this passage, it tends to, okay? So just catch the issue. Where's your heart? What's your heart trusting? How am I getting into it? Well, the criteria in isn't your activity. It isn't you. It's him and what he's doing through the Lord Jesus Christ and the Messiah. Okay? Okay. We went a little bit over, but 
I wanted to get to verse 28 at least. All right. Dearly Father, we thank you for the evening. We thank you for your word. We thank you for the folks here to, to come out to study and to look into it, to dive into it, and to catch the, the, uh, the richness and the goodness of you and everything that you say to your people and then everything you say to us. In your name we pray. Amen.